Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. (laughs) His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? Thanks so much, Darlene. Well, college basketball is officially underway. We got our first glimpse of that last week. NBA games will start in a matter of weeks. Players reported to camp today. And coming up on today's show, our one and only Otto Strong has a fantastic conversation with LZ Granderson, an observer of all things sports for the LA Times and ESPN. And with that, Otto, how was your Thanksgiving? How's it going? Let's catch up a bit. So, so this is funny, you know, like in this era of, of buying groceries remotely and, and through, through the interweb, um, my mom was attempting to buy a turkey breast. So not a whole turkey, but a turkey breast. And she was so just, just like a part of the turkey. Just a part of the turkey. And she was attempting to get enough for just me and her. My wife does not eat turkey, does not eat meat. So we didn't, so it was only feeding two. And so she checked the box, did all the stuff she was supposed to do. She went to the store, picked it up, put it in the bag, because she does do a contactless thing, brings it home, takes the thing out of the bag. The thing is huge. It was it was the breast, but it was everything else except the legs and the wings. So to answer your question, I still have about a pound and a half of turkey left, and I've been eating the sucker every day since Wednesday. So, so, so you've just been eating gobbler sandwiches every single day since. I, I, do, do you do the whole gobbler sandwich? I don't. Well, it's like you put the, the mashed potatoes and the mac and cheese and all the sides that you love and the green bean casserole. Well, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I tend to do more of a, a New York thing. We make sandwiches, you know, so I, I get the bread out, the, you know, shave some, 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 some hard Swiss in there and some mustard lettuce and, you know, do it up that way. But I took the carpet, made some soup, and the last of it, I'm going to do uh, chicken street tacos. That's what I'm doing. Ooh, yeah. I'm coming to your house. Come on because down. I have done, I've done none of this. So, Otto, you know, last week we had that whole conversation where we related, you know, which NBA teams were the sides, right? Yeah. You're going to be so disappointed in what I had for Thanksgiving and at what point I had Thanksgiving. So I, I have to admit, I was down in Fort Myers this whole past week, really, from Wednesday to Sunday. And I drove, I got back to Orlando probably around like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning doing a college basketball tournament. There's a men's and women's tournaments called the Fort Myers, or it was called the beach hashtag beach bubble, the Gulf coast showcase sure. long name for a tournament, sure. but it had like some high major D one teams, mid majors on the men's side. Uh, but the tournament overlapped on Thanksgiving. Usually there's a day in between the events. And so there were four games over the course of Thanksgiving day. I didn't get home till nine o'clock 
and we were staying with the girlfriend's parents who happened to live down in Fort Myers. And they had Thanksgiving without me, Otto. <laughs> Just had it at like four o'clock, said, we'll leave you some leftovers. We're not going to wait on you. Is that okay? Is it, so, so like we've been together like almost two and a half years, right? Like at what point you're like, we have to wait on him. Is um, that not there yet? I, I guess you know that you've reached that point. <laughs> so look at it this way, you're family. Because I think if you weren't family, they would have waited. You know, it's like that weird thing where you're comfortable enough, like, ah, the hell, they'll, they'll be fine. <laughs> so um, as, as a sports editor of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, the Cowboys play on Thanksgiving. So my day basically in, was uh, involved in a football game, editing content, you know, directing content. So I, I, so secret is we, we made the bird on, on Wednesday. Side story, it's kind of hard to prop up a bird that doesn't have legs in a roasting pan. Whole nother podcast, whole nother discussion. But we managed to get that done. I had a little bit on Wednesday and I actually did the real meal on Friday because I made some dressing as well. Some stuffing, as we call it. You would have loved it if it was a side. Um, you know, so yeah, that's, that happened. Oh, that happened. Oh, that, that's awesome. My, my plate was just like a little paper plate that had like some tin foil over it. It had like two little things of turkey in it, like some mashed potatoes with just like the littlest bit of gravy. Yeah. It's like they were trying to make a point that I should have been there. Yeah. And I was like, sorry, you know, sometimes duty calls, like you have to work. So, yeah. <laughs> but for anyone who's aspiring to get into the sports industry, this is what your holidays are like, right, Otto? Like, this yeah. is what you can expect. <laughs> yeah. you know, and sometimes you also have to deal with, you know, oh, I don't know, say, TCU stomping all over Kansas on Saturday. But that's a whole nother, it's a whole nother thing. We're not even going to go there. Man, you're just, you know, so Kansas football is one thing. That's like a whole nother dumpster fire. That's actually a level of atrociousness beyond a dumpster fire. Dumpster fire. Like it just progressively gets worse. You know how every year they say, well, it can't possibly get worse than this. Yeah. The Kansas football program manages to do that yeah. each and every year. Yeah, well, you got you got you got a hoop team coming up that I think is going to light the light the gym up. So you know, enough of that. They, they had a tough thanks or they had a tough day after Thanksgiving, but I think they're going to have a good season. All right, you know what we did have? We had a great interview with LZ Granderson, an observer of all things sports for the LA Times and ESPN. Let's get to it. And today we are honored to have LZ Granderson. He is, among other things, a sports columnist at the Los Angeles Times, co-hosts a show uh, called Sedano and LZ on ESPN LA. Uh, and an ABC political commentator. But on top of all that, he is someone that I know and used to work with back in the day at ESPN, the magazine, when we were both on the NBA beat. So, LZ, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, my man. You know, given everything that's going on on all sorts of fronts, uh, I have very little to complain about. I have my health. I have my family. I'm employed. So, no complaints out of me. How about yeah. yourself? I'm 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 feeling feeling the same thing. I mean, I just I just polished off the last of the Thanksgiving turkey, uh, and I got I got a plan with with what I'm going to do with the rest of it. I'm going to whip up some street uh, turkey turkey tacos probably tonight. Oh, the nice! That's not, I went tortilla soup with the turkey, so the street tacos. That's a good call too. I you know I try I try I try, I try to, <laughs> but uh, you know, and so so here we are now. We are. I'll admit, as an NBA guy, I'm I'm a little. I'm a little off with the calendar. I mean, I'm, I'm, you're obviously we're, we're used to being about a month in 
Yep. You know, players have gotten, you know, kind of gotten that, that early season rust off, but that's not where we are right now. Where we are is we're just starting teams and just having their media days and just starting up here. Uh, and, you know, I want to talk to you about the Clippers. I want to talk to you about the Lakers. We're going to start with the Clippers simply because it just felt like there was such promise and such high expectations for a squad that, you know, back when we were at ESPN, we're at the mag were just like, they, look, if you said playoffs, people would have lost their minds, but right. this is a team that had high expectations. So, so what now? You know, I'm trying to think, I distinctly remember um, when I was an editor at the magazine, flying out to LA to do a piece on Corey McGetty with the Clippers about how they're up and coming and the young talents finally developing and blah, 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 blah. So they made a fool out of me then, and I guess they made a fool out of a bunch of people now, right? Because to your point, great things were expected. But, you know, the difference is now that I'm living in L.A., and I've been in L.A. now for about five years or so, um, recognizing the uphill battle culturally this franchise has. Like, never mind the wins and losses and, you know, the jokes about Western Conference Finals and stuff like that. Like, that's a separate track. Yeah. They also have a cultural track, meaning that they're having a hard time building enough ground support to even care about them home. Mm. Now, nationally, it's a different story. Obviously, I just told you I flew cross country because I thought they were an interesting story nationally. Right. But locally, they're still trying to find their footing, even with a new owner who's very much engaged. This is still very much a Laker town. And so in addition to having their own futile history to overcome, on the court, off the court, they're still trying to be a relevant player in the, in the minds of sports fans, particularly young sports fans who can be had, you know, if they're able to actually do something worthy of people paying attention to them. Right. So now to that point, do you feel, where do you, where do you come down on the Doc Rivers move? Well, I wrote a piece for the LA Times uh, about uh, what appeared to be, to me anyway, Steve Ballmer, being completely clear about what he thinks went wrong last season for the Nuggets or for the for the Clippers. Mm -hmm. And that was Doc Rivers. You know, personally, as well as, you know, through my reporting, it looked as if what they really needed more than anything was a point guard who can settle them down when things got crazy and also just kind of set up their offense so that the the less talented, you know, team members can get easy buckets. You know, you can give the ball to Kawhi, you can give the ball to Paul George and expect a decent shot for one of those two guys. But a guy like Zubac, who may have like a lot of offensive talent, he needs to be set up. And so they need to, to find a point guard who could do those things. They opted not to do that, at least not yet. And so I can't help but think they must feel internally because they didn't change GMs. They just elevated one of their assistant coaches. They didn't blow up the roster. So they must have thought that Doc Rivers was the problem. Um, yeah. I disagree with that, yeah. but, you know, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting you say that because also we think back to what they were doing just before uh, COVID, the COVID shutdown happened and we got, you know, the bubble. But they, they, were, they were firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Now, how much of that is the team and how much of that is Doc? And then what happened in the bubble, I guess, you know, obviously we'll, we'll truly never know. But – now, I, I kind of yeah, look. I knew Doc from from you know when he led the the the, the Celtics in weight and and you know, even before that as a, as a player in New York. And I just I kind of wonder if his style and his management style 
was just was it just a, a a bad fit for them at, at that particular time? Because like I, I look at Doc and I see a guy who is I mean he's going to have a tremendous success in in, in Philly. I, I think I think he is, uh, and he's got you know some additional, some additional tools there. But I keep coming back to thinking that. Um, you know which Clip, which Clippers team are we are we gonna are we gonna get? To, you know, to your point, are you, is this the the long plane ride for nothing, or is this <laughs> which version of ah, are we in, are we in for here? So I, I I don't know I don't know if there's a specific. I don't, I'm not a person who necessarily believes in franchise curses, especially curses or supposed curses that last long beyond you know. <laughs> players or key figures being in a franchise or even ownership changing hands. Like I'm typically not someone who just goes, they're just cursed, but there is something to be said, which is why I brought this point up about the cultural impact of being a member of the Clippers. Because even mm-hmm. if you're a player like a Kawhi or Paul George or Patrick Beverly or whomever, and you join the Clippers organization, it's not the same as when you're a Laker walking around Los Angeles. Right. When you're a Laker, you know, regardless of the record, you know people care about your team and about you as a player. When you're a Clipper, regardless of what you may have accomplished beforehand, you're not treated like a star. You're not treated like a baller. And that part of it isn't attached to a curse. It's just attached to reality that this is a Clipper town and you have to do a great deal as a or a Laker town. You have to do a great deal as a Clipper to even get noticed. And I think that is not a curse. That's just a constant reality every new member of this organization has to deal with. For our friends who, who may not be as familiar with, with that dynamic, could you explain the fall from 3-1 up on the Nuggets to we lost the series? <laughs> as far as... As 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 far as the kind of I mean we we, we touched on it but the kind of every you know you're you're a Clippers fan so you'll you'll believe it when you see it you know, when it happens it happens it's not like say the Lakers which are just kind of well we assume we will get there we are we're assuming we're going to get to the mountaintop not you know you don't have to necessarily prove it although this this squad obviously did for for different reasons but it just felt like you. I'll believe that they're in the Western Conference Finals when that horn goes off. But you know what? That really wasn't the conversation nationally when this season began. Um, you know, obviously, I'm a Laker fan, and you're going to see here, and you know, the whole um, so I, I just felt that the Lakers should have been considered the favorites because of the roster construction. I thought that AD and LeBron were complementary pieces, whereas Kawhi and Paul George replicated each other. And I thought they would have a much more difficult time on finding chemistry than AD and LeBron. Even though everyone were looking at them as individuals, I was looking at them as to what are they to each other. Mm. And, And so the Clippers certainly felt as if they signed the right guys and didn't really pay in my opinion, and close enough attention in terms of roster construction with how those guys would fit together. Right. And what made that even worse was the way that they managed their two superstars as they were coming back from off-season surgeries or injuries. You know, a lot of load management, if you will, which prevented continuity from being developed. And then to your point, you know, the pandemic hits and the, and the sports world is shut down just when it appeared as if they were getting healthy and figuring it out. Right. So in a lot of ways, they were put in Orlando starting all over again. 
Yep. And even though they went up 3-1, I think the bigger question may be, you know, why were the Nuggets down 3-1? Mm-hmm. You know, we, yeah. we spent a lot of time saying what the Clippers did wrong. But, you know, Denver did some things wrong in order to be down 3-1. Because if you can beat a squad three times in a row, a la the Braves and the, the, the Dodgers, you got to ask yourself, then why the hell were you down 3-1 to begin with? Yeah, no, those those excellent questions. And when you talk about the the, the uh, Clippers not figuring it out, I kind of reminded back to when uh, LeBron first joined the Heat. And, like, they weren't exactly on the same page, even though great players, yep. they just had to figure out how to, how, to, how to solve that. And once they did, you know, they, they were kind of off. But, uh, yep. but, uh, but so you, you talked about uh, roster building, and it looks like for Le- LeBron, whether he's going to like what his 35th season or whatever the hell it is, you know, <laughs> it, it looks like they have. I mean, you know, the champs looks like they just got better, you know, yeah. with, with some of the with the moves they've made. Um, and then, I mean, not that Tyrone. I mean, Tyrone is, is is great coach in his own right, but it feels like whatever gap that there might have been a year ago feels like that gap has just gotten wider. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree 100 percent with you. Um, it isn't usual. You see a team that just won the championship essentially blow up huge parts of their supporting cast, but that's exactly what they did. The only eyebrow I have right now is whether or not the defensive contributions of Mark Gasol will make up for the defensive deficiencies of Montrez Harrell, particularly when they start to play big man. We know that when they had Dwight Howard in L.A., um, especially against Jokic, he made it possible for them to handle that team as easily as they did because Jokic didn't have a strength and size advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, he won't have a strength and size advantage against Mark Gasol, but Mark's later in age. Um, yeah. And clearly he's going to have to deal with, you know, Jokic on the perimeter just as much as he will down low. And we can't expect Traz to be some sort of reprieve because we saw what that looked like in the series against Denver when they were the Clippers. He was literally the worst person on the floor offensively and defensively from a statistical standpoint when they played the Nuggets. So that's my only concern. When they face the Nurkic, you know, the Nurkic's, when they face, um, um, you know, Rudy Gobert uh, and him being able to kind of interfere with shots as well as get, offensive rebounds. He's not a great offensive player, but he still can collect a lot of offensive rebounds. And then obviously Jokic, um, what the Lakers do with those bigs, absent Dwight Howard, plug in Mark Gasol is my only question. But overall, to your point, they're a hell of a lot better. Uh, Clearly the favors to repeat. And um, barring a significant injury to one of the key players, um, I don't see a team right now that can stop them. Yeah. Uh, now let's get inside one of one of the moves that was kind of curious. Uh, a guy who had a big role uh, early in the season didn't join the bubble, and then is now no longer with him. And we're cross talking about Avery Bradley. Mm-hmm. Um, anything you can share on on kind of how that how that kind of transfer that turn went? It just kind of not. Now he's just like seems like persona on grata. Like never never right. heard of who we talking about. <laughs> it's so crazy because I was at Staples the last weekend for Laker basketball there. And as you may recall, that was a great weekend for us because we beat the Nuggets, uh, not the Nuggets, we beat the Clippers as well as the Bucks in back-to-back games. LeBron on both sides of the floor was outstanding. AD did his thing. But more importantly, Avery Bradley came up huge in both those games, offensively and defensively. 
And you got the feeling that once the postseason got rolling, that Avery Bradley was going to be a big player in the postseason and close out games in the fourth quarter because of his ability to knock down the open shot, create his own mid-range jumper, and defensively, he was a hawk on the ball. Um, so when they started back up and he decided not to join them, it was like, oh, snap, now what do the Lakers do? Because at that point, KCP was very consistent still shooting the three. We weren't quite sure Rondo was going to be. Caruso looked as if he had hit a ceiling of sorts. Mm-hmm. And Avery Bradley from the backcourt position was really the only one that I felt was going to give them consistency on both sides every single game throughout a series. Obviously, those other guys that I just talked about all stepped up in huge ways in Avery Bradley's absence. Rondo looked fantastic. Caruso ended up starting game six of the finals of the closeout game. That tells you how important he was. KCP, we know about the stretches that he had. And so part of the reason why we forgot about Avery Bradley is because all the other guys that weren't doing the things that Avery Bradley was doing when he was playing all of a sudden stepped up and started doing those things. Now, I don't think there's any bad feelings, at least not in terms of my own reporting. I know that um, a couple of players had noted that during the, you know, the break and into the bubble, Avery Bradley was less and less interactive with them. But that's to be expected. You know, it's human nature. A lot of us have sort of lost touch a little bit with sort of our coworkers and colleagues um, as we've been forced to be safe at home or stay at home or however you want to phrase the damn thing. Um, well, I think it's human nature. I don't think it's anything nefarious or anything like that, but he landed in a great spot in Miami. He'll fit in well with heat culture. And um, obviously the Lakers were able to win without him. And then they restocked that weak backcourt with significantly better players. Mm, yeah. Uh, on, on the, on the management front. Uh, so we, one of our other uh, podcasts of Pure Cubes Media is done by Mike Wise and he uh, recently had Jeannie Buss on uh, and he asked uh, her about Sorry, the role. with me. I'm sorry. Sorry, you're stuck with me. He got Jeannie and you got me. Sorry. <laughs> I don't get, I, no, first, first off, there is no stuck here, man. We 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 about the ways. And uh, he's got her own tequila, I man. All I got is the glass. I I, 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 I appreciate the the opportunity to chew it up with you anytime. So so all, all good. I guess I guess what what I'm, what I'm wondering here because there actually was a question in there. What what I'm wondering, what I'm wondering is you know where things stand with with. Uh, Magic Johnson, of course, uh, and and his relationship with with uh, with Lakers Nation, um, and I, I don't know if you could shed any light on 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 what your reporting well, is telling you. Well, a lot of people were obviously upset the way he abruptly quit a couple games before the end of the season. Um, he sort of gets credit for the arrival of LeBron. You know, people may forget, but when Magic took over for Jim Buss. The franchise had like Timothy Mozgov and Luol Deng, and you know we were a hot mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Magic and Rob had to do a lot to create not only the cap space but also change the culture of the Lakers so that it was something that LeBron would want to come to. Yeah. You know, we weren't a dumpster fire as a lot of teams are. Like the Knicks are a dumpster fire, right through and through. My Pistons. They're a dumpster fire through and through. Yeah. Um, that wasn't the Lakers, right? They had they had a couple of hiccups in their free agency period, but they weren't a dumpster fire. Right. But Magic had to clean some things up, and he did. Um, but the way he quit really 
was a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And then he goes on first take and he kind of puts Rob Plink on blast, which forced mm-hmm. us in Laker Nation to kind of choose our allegiances. Do we go with the guy who's there and it was with Kobe? Or do we go with the guy that made us relevant again? Yeah. And it's always been L.A. Um, yeah. I would say at this point, Magic has been very smart in the way that he's been complimentary towards Rob Polinka and the moves that he's been making um, so that there's no longer needs to be a division in Laker Nation in terms of fandom. We can love Magic because Magic is saying he loves Rob and we don't have to feel guilty going either way. Um, but I will say this. Um, I don't really care what they say publicly. There has to be a bad taste in your mouth a little bit when someone you trust um, quits and doesn't even give you the heads up before doing so. Trash is the guy who's coming in place (laughs) after you. And then entertains a conversation about you possibly selling the team and he'd be interested in buying. So, (laughs) so, I know they're saying, you know, we're siblings and it's all good and blah, 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 blah. And I'm sure they are. I just know from a hood perspective, there's got to be at least one of those two eyes has got to be looking sideways. Right. You have to give a full side eye. But one of them has got to be like, all right now. (laughs) Because that's a lot of dirty that Magic kind of did during this transition towards back to getting to the mountaintop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I want to ask you a question that's kind of tangentially related to basketball, but I want to ask you one more basketball question first. And that is, so now we're at a point, they're going to, they're going to toss it up in about three weeks. What do you think this 72 game season is going to look like for the Lakers and the Clippers? Um, for the Lakers, it's going to be business as usual. You know, it's a tremendous burden to play with LeBron James because the expectation is finals are bust. Right. That's one. Two, Kobe passed away on January 26th. And from the January 27th on, that roster had the burden of winning it for Kobe. Right. So you have, you know, a team full of players, some of whom had never even been to the playoffs before. If you look at like a, like a Kyle Kuzman and Alex Caruso, not only having the added burden of just having expectations of winning because you have LeBron, but then you also have the burden of winning because you need to do it for Kobe. Right. right. This season, they don't have to do it for anyone but themselves, really. And I, I expect it to be a lot looser. Um, they're more talented, that's for sure. But I just think that the ad- added burden of trying to do it for Kobe being lifted from them may show us even a more exciting brand of basketball because the pressure to not fall short won't be there via Kobe. There's pressure is still there, but it won't be because of Kobe, who right. embodies everything Lakers, whose death I covered in this city, and it was, um, it was awful. There's no other way of saying it. You know, on the radio show, you know, there was a Sunday that he died. I was in San Francisco at the time. I flew back, cut my vacation short, flew back, jumped immediately on the radio, and it was like a week straight of just taking calls of crying fans. Yeah. So yeah. that was the burden that that roster had to deal with last season. This season, I'm expecting to be a lot looser. Yeah. For the Clippers, the burden is even greater 
it's even greater yeah. because they have a couple of guys that they gave up the world for who can opt out. <laughs> so imagine not having a Western Conference final and you ain't got no first round picks because the whole thing with Paul George fell flat. <laughs> like real talk, I probably would have traded his ass just to make sure that I got something back that's going to be here for the long haul. Right. Because Paul George has had, let's just say, a propensity to uh, not only bounce around, but then act like he didn't want to be where he was in the first place. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I-, I hear you. I hear you. Uh-huh. So they got a lot of pressure on them, man, yes. to like, you know, get to the finals, win a championship. Because when you look at the tally that the Clippers gave up in order to get him, and you look at the tally of pay Kawhi and not Serge Ibaka, all three of those guys could leave, and they have nothing in their cupboards. So in other words, what you're saying is don't pencil in the Lakers-Clippers Western Conference Finals, the all-staples conference finals. (laughs) Don't pencil them in for a couple of internal reasons. And then don't pencil them in because we aren't quite sure what Houston's going to do. Right, right. We know that James wants to go to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. We don't know if that's going to happen, yeah. you know, but Westbrook is also someone who's on the move and the Clippers have been mentioned as one of the destination spots. Yeah. So, you know, as of right now, to your point, I don't expect the Clippers to be in the Western Conference Finals right now without some roster tweaking. And I expect the Lakers out of 72 games to win at least 60 of them. Yeah. Well, like it has been a wild uh, 2020. Wild probably doesn't even begin to capture all of the the, the, the heartache and the uh, different things that people have had to experience inside of basketball, outside of basketball, on the floor, off the floor. Um, one of the other things that you mentioned, Kobe's passing, which I guess is now 10 months ago. There was another uh, passing that that did rock the sports world in a variety of ways. That was six months ago, and that, of course, would have been George Floyd who uh, in his way left an indelible mark on the NBA, the WNBA, and, and sports you know, across, you know, across, across around, around the world for that matter. And just wondering, I, I mean, you are someone who has um, devoted every time and every thought, and I've enjoyed your commentary on uh, Madison as, as it relates to everything, but in this context, as it relates to NBA players and getting ready to start another season with, in addition to trying to figure out coronavirus, there still is that issue of, of how do we, and not just as players, um, professionals, but just as predominantly African-American men, black men, how do we make sure that we are doing all that we can and we're making sure that our message is being heard as we carry it forward you know, into, into the next season, next year? Well, I, I think, first of all, thank you very much for your kind words about my work. Um, it, it gets me in trouble from time to time because I don't like to play nice. You know, I like to play real. And sometimes real is uncomfortable for people. Sometimes it's uncomfortable for people in leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's okay because your comfort's killing me. <laughs> so I need, I need you to be a little less comfortable, obviously. Right. Um, but it is something that's my life's work and I care a lot about. Um, you have kids. I got kids. And I'm assuming, you know, just about everyone who will be watching this has kids. And so you just want the world to be better for them than it was for you. Right. And that's all I try to, like, fight for. So with that being said, George Floyd was a really, really difficult um, story for me to, to be engaged with, to cover. Um, you know, you can check 
my social media. I spent a great deal of time talking to um, the protesters, um, walking with them for hours on end. Um, I like to joke that I walked off all of my pandemic weight uh, covering the protests mm-hmm. <laughs> because they were led by young people. Right. And young people just walk faster and they don't <laughs> care about hills and stuff. So, <laughs> so, but it's also important that it's young people because you can't expect, you know, Jesse Jackson to keep leading this fight. You can't expect, you know, Al Sharpton to keep leading this fight. Like the fight is still there. Who are the new soldiers? And I think we got a lot of that answered uh, during the summer with, you know, Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and obviously George Floyd. And then there's the thing to your point, which is um, athletes in general, black athletes in particular, have really stepped up in terms of using their platform. And the question of what happens now is a fantastic question because so much of the energy was directed towards voter registration, making sure that you voted. Um, Obviously, the outcome was of great importance. And now we're sort sort of like, you know, other than the runoff in Georgia, which is still very important for the Senate conversation, um, the the election is behind us, but the issues are not. Right. So what do the players do now to keep their fans and the public engaged without the big target of election day that everyone can concentrate on? It's a lot harder to get people to pay attention to these intricate sort of moments in time without something obvious to guide them there. So I think one of the things that I've been encouraged to see is that in talking with members of the NBA PA or the NBPA, I guess there's no A there, NBPA. Um, So confusing. It's an NFL PA, but it's only an NBPA. It's like, yeah, I know, I know. (laughs) (laughs) um, Is that, you know, a lot of the work that the players have been engaged in have not directly been tied to elected officials or the election itself. It's about, you know, building community. It's about making sure that there are resources, whether it's dealing with healthcare, whether it's dealing with education, um, childcare, um, employment, like seeing some of the things that players are doing. Now, here's an example. I was talking with a representative from the Players Association and she was sharing with me how you know Westbrook, when he was at in Oklahoma City, was doing this project that involved a vendor, and he was all for the project and everything, but he wanted to make sure that the vendor was working with minority subcontractors before he agreed to get involved fully. And I just thought that was just so smart, mm-hmm. you know. It, it is so aware, woke, if you will, yeah. you know, because. These are the little pockets, right, that don't really get covered a great deal. Uh, We know during the Obama administration, um, it was very important to that administration that the the contractors, um, either they treated LGBTQ people fairly at their place of work, or they made sure X number of women got opportunities or people of color got opportunities. These things have to be intentional because we have enough history to look at what happens when you aren't being intentional. It becomes a bunch of cisgender, heterosexual white men. Nothing against cisgender, heterosexual white men. It's just that the country's made up of more of that. And so the players have been very, very smart in terms of making sure that where they can, 
they use their influence to make sure those opportunities are there for other minorities and people who typically are on the outside looking in. And that's really encouraging. And I'll just say one other thing too, um, in terms of how the players are utilizing their platform and their resources. Um, when you look at the production companies of some of these company of some of these players, whether it's LeBron's or Steph Curry's or KD's, they're making sure that the content that they're producing is also content that edifies the community. And I know you're like going, oh, well, it's just movies and you know, it's Space Jam too, you know, who cares? Those are hundreds, if not thousands, of jobs. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so the, yeah. the employment there is a huge thing for one. And then two, the content that they're producing lifts up the community, educates the masses, and moves the needle. So I would say between how they use their resources to make sure that you know minorities are getting opportunities away from the basketball court, and then the platforms that they use in terms of content creation, those are two really encouraging signs. I know that's a long-winded answer. No, no, that's, that's great. That's, you know, we all know how something grows. You gotta plant a seed. That was dope. Special thanks to LZ for joining us on today's show and for joining Otto. And Otto, I have to say this, you guys sound like old pals. Uh, yeah, there's a reason for that. We go back, we back, go back a ways. He was on the, on the ESPN staff of the magazine uh, with me for, for a hot minute, uh, I guess some 15 years ago now. But uh, uh, no, it was, he's, he's, a, he's a solid dude, a good observer of sports and culture and, all, and, a, and, a, and a lot of other things too. So good guy. Yeah, not only a joy to watch on TV, but I was kind of thumbing through some of his most recent stuff that he's written. Fantastic writer, man. Yep. Can't say enough about his ability there. So good to listen. If, um, but, you know, at the front end of this show, not to kind of just quickly pivot, but at the front end of this show, we talked a lot about Thanksgiving. Uh, last week, we spoke about a lot of how teams would relate to certain sides. But one thing that, you know, is kind of coming up is the holiday season. It's the season of gift giving. It's the season of selflessness. You know, one thing that NBA hasn't given us yet is a schedule. Yeah. They've told us when games might start. <laughs> they haven't given us a schedule, right? Like players reported today, no idea who their first opponent's going to be. So what if we kind of provided our wish list for the NBA for the holiday season of who we might be able to see, you know, Christmas week? I like it. So I, I'm going to give you my first game. Yep. And part of this, I think, is just geography and what I'm excited about. But I am excited for the newly cemented I-4 showdown, mm. Otto, between the Tampa Bay Raptors, hashtag We the South, <laughs> and the Orlando Magic. Like, I just want to see the Raptors lean into, like, th these few months where they're going to be playing in Tampa and just go all out. I want to see the Raptor with sunglasses on. I want to see him in, like, a beach-style uniform. Just fully lean into it and start this I-4 rivalry. Yeah, I mean, get, get, a, get a palm drink with an umbrella on, on, those, on the Raptor's hand. I mean, all, all, I'm all in. I love it. I mean, I, now, here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm happy that you're happy for that, but I can't think that if I were to give you a gift, it would probably be, and I know this is not going to happen for a lot of reasons, but Sixers at Orlando on Christmas Day. I think that, because of, of how you speak so highly of the, of the Sixers and wanting to, See those, see that, see those guys up close and personal. That would be good. Or alternatively, Philly at at at, Ta at Tampa. 
Ooh, that would be fun too. But you know, with the with the magic, you have the storyline of Doc returning to Orlando. You know, maybe Doc's final coaching job compared to where he got his career started. And also, you have you know Markel Fultz, who kind of became a serviceable NBA point guard last year, yep. playing against you know the team that gave up on him. Exactly. So lots of storylines there. Yeah. What about Bucks and Heat? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, that's gonna, that's going to have a whole lot of, uh, you know, you talk about your subtext. I mean, wow, that's, that, there's, there's going to be a lot of, going to be a lot of, a lot of stuff going on there. You know, can, can they make it a minute without, <laughs> without talking about, Giannis, will he be playing here? Will he not be playing here? Tune in next quarter on, you know, we'll see. I mean, I mean, I, so for me, uh, you know, I'm thinking about Fort Worth, I'm thinking about, the, the Mavericks I'm thinking about Luca and I what I would love to see the NBA do is put Luca on at 2 30 you know they got that noon slot which yeah. usually are two eastern teams and you know you can't go wrong Boston Brooklyn Knicks Nets I mean because you know I'm sure geogra- ge- geographically they're going to going to want to people keep people close keep the, the plane to a minimum plane uh, flying to a minimum but Luca Mavericks at 2 30 what does that do 8.30 in Slovenia. Oh, so it's prime time for them. Think about it. I, I like that. I don't do I take gifts. I give gifts. <laughs> you just gave everyone in Slovenia a gift because they, they get to watch their favorite son. That, wouldn't that be cool for, you know, for people to be able to? And you now, can, now, 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 who's the opponent, though? Who would you want to see them play? I think you could go a couple different directions. I, now, I think Lakers-Clippers is a foregone conclusion simply because of the travel and it being Christmas and coming off of Christmas Eve. But... Clearly, getting the Clippers out there would be great because of the because of the first round series. But if you can't do that, a team that I've talked about and I'm kind of excited about, Phoenix Suns. Yeah, seeing what that might look like. Yeah, that, you know, that's got, got some fresh faces and along with the with the with the talented group, uh, younger guys on the rise. Uh, that would be fun. Another, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Houston? It's too many, too much of a wild card there. But but Houston would also be a logical you know choice there. I feel like we're on a collision course. Nets and Sixers on opening day too. That feels appropriate. You know, that's a short train ride away for both those teams. That's easy to get to. They could play a back-to-back in each other's cities if, if you're going to open it up that way. But yeah, I, I like that. Dallas and Phoenix get a look at CP3 running alongside Devin Booker, see how those two mush together. That's yeah. enticing to me. Yeah. So, so we, we give, we're, giving, we're gift-giving right now. <laughs> Trying to make it happen. <laughs> All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. I guess we'll get a schedule in the coming days, and when we do, then we do. But until then, we, we are going to leave it right here and, and just uh, wish you guys a, a happy week and a good week, and hopefully all things, all things, uh, all things well for all of us. So with that, at uh, another edition of Catch and Shoot 2.0, I want to thank our producer, Scott Turkin, the man in the chair, as I like to call him, along with the head man at our, at our shop, Bruce Bernstein, and our editor, Tom Phillip. Yeah, and we hope you guys all had a fantastic week with your families. Hope everyone is well-rested and geared up for the holiday season. Should be a fun one, as not only college basketball is officially underway, but the NBA starts a new campaign, in which, is, in which is going to be a season unlike any other. And we have content unlike any other here on Pure Hoops Media. Make sure you're checking us out Monday through Friday. Monday is the Mike Weiss Show. Tuesday, you can catch our newest host. It's Full Court with Ginny Fisher and Kara Kay. And I will tell you this, 
If you have not given Jenny Fisher and Kara Kay a follow on Twitter, I highly recommend it. Two good follows, two very smart women when it comes to the game of basketball. Tremendous follows. Uh, Wednesdays is where you can get your NBA news and nuggets right here on Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto and myself. Thursdays is Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure. And as always, we close out the week with the Pure Hoops podcast featuring BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. And just a reminder, wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that we ask is that you rate and subscribe to our shows. If you enjoy what we are doing each and every week, just show us a little bit of love. We'd love to see it. Yeah. And uh, look, we, we talk about this time, about this, this time of the show every week. Uh, coronavirus is not going away. In fact, in a couple of cases in Texas, a couple of spots in Texas, it is turned into an amber alert. So we need everybody, everybody within the sound of my voice, please wear a mask, social distance, wash your hands. It makes a difference. The life you may save may be your own or that of someone you love. Take care, everybody. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.